You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. This past Christmas, uh, for one of, one of Christmas presents, our, one of our kids, um, our oldest son and his wife, they gave us, as a Christmas present, Google Home. Are you familiar with what it is? It says, was a little, little canister-looking thing that sits on a counter, and you can talk to her. Um, and, uh, and actually, you can actually make it uh, uh, male or female, but ours is, uh, uh, is a female voice. And the whole idea, I know these have been on the market now for a while. Some of, how many of you have one of those? You know what I'm talking about? You have them? So, so part of me has been a little hesitant on this because you hear all the stories about, you know, all of a sudden people have access to all these things and technology, and I was like, Ugh, just a little... But here's what I've also learned, that Google Home, that is basically an audio speaker box connected to the internet, ours isn't connected to anything else. It's not, it's not connected to lights, it's not connected to any power sources or anything. And it's a very limited connection. Um, and we've gotten to be pretty fond of her. I'll just call her her. <clears throat> um, very, very helpful, very useful. So, you know, sometimes like we're going to have pizza for dinner and we'll put the pizza in the oven. Hey, Google. Set a timer for 10 minutes. And I love this. And because and, you hear the voice, it comes back to you. Setting timer for 10 minutes, starting, and there's always a little pause there, now. You know, starting timer for 10 minutes, starting now. Um, and then 10 minutes, you hear the little beeper go off and lets you know that your, your time's up. Or you're planning the afternoon, and, and you want to know what the weather's going to be like. Hey, Google, what's the weather going to be like in Mooresville at 3.30 this afternoon? And she comes back in and says, well, that's three this afternoon. She tells us. So it's been pretty, actually pretty helpful. Um, and it's been kind of fun, actually, sometimes, too, as we're doing little trivia things and wagers as to who's right and wrong. And Google settles the argument. And usually Betsy's right. So, um, <laughs> But then, then about three weeks ago, um, we had to get a new Wi-Fi router in our house. It just, there was another conversation there. But... But because of that, every electronic device in our home that's connected to the internet had to be reset to the new Wi-Fi. Um, and everything went pretty well. You know, laptops and iPads and phones and, you know, different things. And so everything went pretty well, except for Google Home. Between the two of us, we probably spent a couple hours trying to reset it, trying to get it to rework, and we, um, we couldn't do it. Just we couldn't figure it out. Have you ever had trouble with technology that way? I know for some of us who are old enough, it's, you know, back in the 80s, it's, you know, when the VCRs first came out and you had to program it to record TV shows um, or, and, and you never could figure it out. And so your clock just kind of blinked. Remember that? You ever had your home like just a blink because you couldn't get the clock figured out? Or maybe it's radio stations on your car radio. You had to reset the clock there or something. And, but that's, that's just part of it. So with regard to our Google Home, here's what I've discovered. Technology is great if you can figure out how to use it correctly. Now, ironically, there's a similar problem that existed for the Christ followers in the New Testament city of Corinth. Now, except they weren't trying to figure out how to get Google Home worked out. The Apostle Paul was trying to help them figure out how to live life with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've been here around for the next last few weeks, you know that we're in a series uh, on the Holy Spirit. And three weeks ago, we, we, uh, we talked about the Holy Spirit and recognized that this is, uh, he is the third person of the Trinity, fully God. Um, and so just that whole idea. Two weeks ago, we talked about Pentecost 
and how on that day everything changed forever for Christ followers. That the Holy Spirit was no longer situational and, and empowered an individual for a certain time, for a certain occasion. But at that moment, all Christ followers were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit actually lives within us. Um, and then last week, Kate did a fantastic job talking about the Holy Spirit's impact on us personally. What happens within our own life uh, when, when the Holy Spirit engages us and comforts us and coaches us and encourages us and empowers us and those types of things. Um, today, we're going to talk a little different tack. We're going to talk more about what the Spirit wants to do through us to helping others. And then next week, we're going to wrap that up. Next week's going to be kind of fun. We're going to have a panel discussion. Um, and so just is within us, just all right, what does this look like for you? Because sometimes we talk about the Holy Spirit working in us. They can get a little mystical. Um, and sometimes um, it can get a little, well, yeah, I'll, I'll stop at mystical. Um, but it can get a little unusual for us. Well, how does that work for you? And sometimes actually hearing other people's stories like, oh, okay, I get that. I can do that. I can. And so I think that'll be fun uh, to be able to just have that kind of a, a, a change of pace next week. So our passage this morning uh, that we're going to look at comes from the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. Um, now, we call it a book, but it's actually a letter, a letter that Paul wrote to the Christ followers in the city of Corinth, um, <clears throat> which is in present-day uh, Turkey. Now, it's called 1 Corinthians because Paul actually wrote two letters that we have recorded, and this was the first one. Uh, so, this is called 1 Corinthians. Um, and it's written about 20 years after Pentecost happened. So the idea and involvement of the Holy Spirit being involved has been around, it's not like it's brand new, but it, it didn't, remember, it started in Jerusalem and it's expanded and things didn't happen as quickly back then. So we're now 20 years later and in the city of Corinth, they have some questions about how is this all supposed to work? How, what is this and that? And, and, and just like Betsy and I had trouble trying to connect Google Home, the people in Corinth were having trouble connecting with the Holy Spirit. Um, now, again, last week, Kate talked about how we connect for our personal faith and what that does for us. But in Corinth, what was actually happening here, they're, they're wanting to understand how does the Holy Spirit work within a group setting? How does it work amongst us as a community of faith? And so they had written Paul with some questions. Now, we don't have those, we don't have that letter. We don't have that list of questions, but we can kind of infer what they were asking based upon Paul's response. Um, he was very specific. And uh, so we're going to pick up there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, we're going to uh, start with verse 1 through chapter 11. Now I'm reading uh, from the New Living Translation. So if you have a different translation uh, in your Bible or in your um, piece of technology or whatever you're reading, uh, it may be a little different. Or if you're following the screen, then uh, from the New Living Translation. Now, dear brothers and sisters, <clears throat> regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. 
God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, very grateful again for this day. Uh, for us to gather together, to worship, to lift our voices in song, and to uh, just uh, uh, be in your presence and to sense your moving uh, in our life. And Father, now at this time, as we continue in worship by acknowledging your word and, and how you might want to speak to us, your spirit is still alive and still at work, um, working in just in a different way. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you to continue to encourage and challenge us uh, through your word here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in this passage we just read, Paul identifies nine different spiritual gifts. <clears throat> and now, in verse 7, he says, given to each of us, not that we all have all nine, but that these gifts are given to us, each of us has a gift, so that we can help each other. He is very specific. He said, we're not giving you these gifts so that you can feel cool and you know, be kind of a superhero in your community. These are given for you to use for the benefit of others. Um, and we're going to break that down here a little bit. Um, but of these nine, he actually, so there's, um, can I get the first, there uh, you go. Um, so I, I realize the font may be a little bit small from where you're at, but there's nine gifts there. One is wisdom. Um, and, and what, and let me just take a, a brief moment here. So this gift of wisdom, um, I think in, in some of the translations talk about giving wise advice. Um, and this is simply the fact that, and you've, you've talked to people like this, where you're talking and you're sharing, and they said, you know what, I hear what you're saying, but this. And he's like, you're right. And it's just, it's just that momentary thing, you realize they just, they're just, they just have the ability to speak wisdom into your situation. So that's what's being referenced here. Knowledge, um, the, the gift of knowledge is when there is no context, um, where that, uh, and again, I'm gonna, I'll break some of these things down here in a little bit, but since where there's no conversation, they just sense that God has told this to me. Um, and there's an idea where they are able to share something, and you know that there's no other way that they would know what you're, what's going on in your life except for the fact that the Holy Spirit impressed that upon them. Um, and so that's what's happening there, and knowledge. Faith, um, these are the people who that when they pray, you know, you know that God in all of heaven is listening. There's just something alive within them as they're praying. It's not wishful thinking. God, and, and, and what Paul is saying, that's a gift. To be able to pray that way is a gift, um, to pray with that kind of conviction and, and, and passion. Um, healing, um, this idea of being able to pray for someone 
for healing and God would heal them. And again, the, all of these gifts here are, they're situational. So it's not as if you can say, all right, I have this gift and I can turn it on, turn it off anytime I want to. It's usually that we're prompted in the moment to exercise one of these gifts. And so in this moment where someone is saying, hey, I'm not feeling well or I'm sick, let's pray. I want to pray. And we pray for God to heal them. And in that moment, they're healed. Um, miracles would um, be something similar to that, obviously beyond healing, but there's some other manifestation of God that intervenes in our life. Prophecy is not fortune-telling. Um, and it, it could be similar to this idea of, of knowledge, but there's something that you're... What, basically, those who speak in a, in a prophetic role are basically saying, they're, they're in that moment, they are, for all, for all essential purposes, the voice of God. This is what God is saying to us in this moment. So it's not necessarily an individual type of thing. It's much more uh, used primarily more within a group uh, um, context. Discernment, um, there again, as our passage is discerning between good and evil spirits. And again, and some of you who have been around churches long enough, been in Christian groups enough that sometimes you hear someone, they're saying the right thing, but there's something not right about them. There's something that's there, and usually time will tell, but usually if there's, there's, they can say the right words, but the, what the Holy Spirit was challenging was that their life is nowhere a match with that. Then they're, they're doing things, and they're not the person they're pretending or portraying themselves to be. Uh, tongues and interpretation um, are, are um, the ones that are associated more with uh, the together, that usually you have tongues and interpretation. You don't... Uh, you don't, in fact, if they have uh, um, um, someone who to speak in tongues without interpretation, you then understand that as being more of just a, a prayer language type of thing. And you never have interpretation without the tongues. So they go hand in hand. Um, but there again, it's the prompting of the Holy Spirit to speak in the moment. And then the interpretation is, is, allows the person, allows the group then to understand what's being said. These are the two, the last two are the ones that probably within Pentecostal charismatic circles are, are the most controversial because they're the least, the ones that we can define the least. Um, it's not as if we can say, here's the formula, here's what happens. It really is a behavioral, um, experiential type of thing. Um, and again, that might be one of the things that comes up in our panel discussion next week. As right, how does this work? What does that look like? And what, how, what's your thoughts about that? Um, now, so it's easy to think that this idea of spiritual gifts is subtle. I mean, Paul gives us here's nine gifts, and and you know, so the, these are the gifts that we're to talk about. Um, <clears throat> however, about four to five years after Paul wrote his letter to the people in Corinth, he wrote another letter to the people in Rome. And so in our Romans, in chapter 12, um, that Paul identifies a list of gifts, and, and he actually refers to them as gifts. He says, these are gifts given by God for doing certain things well. Um, and in this list of gifts, you see he's identified seven, you know, service, teaching, encouragement, giving, leadership, prophecy, and kindness. So in, these, in this list, the only two that overlap are prophecy. So the other six are different. They're not in the same ones. Um, and so we've got two different letters, two different lists, only one of them repeat. Um, but then it gets even a little more interesting. About 20 years later, Paul writes, um, uh, so 20 years after Romans, Paul wrote a letter to the Christ followers in the city of Ephesus. 
And in Ephesians chapter 4, we see where Paul, um, he makes a statement that these are gifts given to the church. Uh, and so uh, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Now, most um, people look at this third one as roles or offices within the church. Uh, so they're not, they're not something individual. They're more of a, these are the, the, you know, that there's, they have a role, there's a title within an organizational or within the group context. But the first two are definitely for the individuals. The benefit is for the, the group, but as far as, as how it impacts, it's, it's much more individual. Um, so, but there again, you've got two different letters, two different lists of gifts, and only one of them is repeat. 15 total gifts mentioned. So for me, the question is, how are we under, supposed to understand spiritual gifts? Um, so as I thought this through, I, I thought there's a few things that are really, I think, significant and, and, and unique for us, that in all three of these lists, gifts were not given for personal benefit, they're given for the benefit of other people. Yeah, I think another thing we can take from this, the fact that it's, it's all three of these lists are given by Paul on three different occasions. So I think what we can say is Paul was not trying to be exhaustive. In other words, he wouldn't say, these are the list of gifts and this is it. There are no more, there's no less. These are written at three different time periods to three different groups. So it wasn't if he said, all right, here's the list of gifts and use the same list. If he used the same list in every situation, then biblically we'd say, all right, these are the ones that are being talked about. But because each one of his lists is different, we can say his intent was not to be exhaustive. It wasn't, there may be more. There might be things that we can look at um, that might not be included but, but would qualify. The other thing I think we can point to is the fact that there's great diversity in gifts. No two are alike. They're all very different. They all have different application, which really makes sense, though, when you think about the great diversity among people. Think about how different all of us are. I mean, even in a group our size, there's a really significant level of diversity into how we think um, and how we behave and what our preferences are. Um, and so th there's, that requires then a, a diversity among gifts. So with such diversity among gifts, what's Paul trying to tell us? Well, if you read a little bit later on in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul starts talking about the body, the human body. And how that there's some are arms and some are legs, some are toes, some are, you know, all these different body parts, but they're all one. Paul's talking about there is unity within the context of diversity. So for me, what I think Paul's trying to tell us, the people here of Grace Covenant Statesville, that when it comes to us here, each of us, each of us has something to contribute. Each one of us has something to contribute. Now, your contribution might be different than mine, but it is no less important to the group as a whole. Each of us has a role to play. Each of us has gifts to contribute, and each of us is essential and necessary. So with that in mind, here are some other thoughts that, about the passage we just read here in 1 Corinthians 12. Now, because these gifts require some type of intervention um, by God. In other words, it's not just you wake up one morning and say, ah, I think I'm going to go practice the gift of healing. Um, or, you know, we're going to do this. Usually there's some type of divine intervention. Because of that, they're often referred to as miraculous gifts. Uh, <clears throat> so, and the purpose of miraculous gifts is to bring about God's work of encouraging, edifying, and building up of believers through supernatural means. Um, 
not too long ago, probably about a month, maybe two months ago, I was uh, out for a walk. Uh, and I, I often tell stories about walking in our neighborhood, don't I? Um, but I was out for a walk. And um, randomly, as I was thinking about something completely different, a person, uh, some of here from Grace uh, Statesville, came to my mind. Um, whenever that happens, I always take that as promptings from the Holy Spirit to pray for that person. Again, it's real random. It's not as if I'd been thinking about it, like I'd have a conversation with them and talking. It was just really random. It's like, all right, let me pray for them. But as I was praying, and I'm praying just in my mind, I just began to sense that, that, that they were feeling very discouraged. I didn't know about what. I didn't know what their circumstances were. Again, I hadn't talked to them in probably a month. And, um, <clears throat> and so I just was praying and praying, and I felt God was saying that, that what he wanted them to, to what God was saying to them was, don't be discouraged. Um, that God isn't done working in them yet. And so I, I contacted them, and I, and I, I just here's, I was walking, and I explained what happened. I said, here's what God was saying to me, and I think, I think what God was wanting me to share this with you. And God wants you to know he, he sees where you're at. He knows what you're going through, and he's not done working yet. Be encouraged. And I said, I have no idea if that makes any sense to you or not, but... And he said, that makes perfect sense to me. And I kind of went through a little bit of some of the things that they had been going through and why that moment was very timely for them. Um, here's the thing. God didn't share that with me so that I would feel really cool, although I felt really cool. I mean, when you go through those moments and you realize that you heard correctly and you shared it and you did what you're supposed to, it's one of those great feelings in life. But God didn't do it so that I would feel really great. He did it for the benefit of this other person. They needed encouraging. They were down. They needed help. Now, here's the, here's the fair question. Why didn't God just speak to that person directly? Why didn't he just encourage them? Which is a really, really good question. Now, it's possible that at this moment, their emotional state was such that they couldn't, they weren't listening. And sometimes we know that we're, we're so focused on our problems or, or the situation we're going, we're just, our spiritual antennas are just not really tuned in. And that may have been it. Or... Here's something else, too, I think, and I don't believe, that sometimes God will speak to us and we'll doubt it. Oh, that's just me. That's just me. But when someone else who unknown to our situation of circumstance comes and says, hey, here's what I'm thinking, and they confirm what I've been sensing internally, that really does a good, good thing of just, okay, I'm all right. It's not just me that there's... And so sometimes God will use another person to encourage us because it confirms what God is already doing in our own light. And I think that's what God was doing with this individual. They just needed that sense of what? You know what? You're on the right track. What you're doing is right and good. The point is this. Had God not spoken to my heart, I wouldn't have known. This wasn't something I went out to create. It wasn't something I went out to do. As I was walking, just kind of going through my... Just thing, I probably had my just listening to something, and this happened. Um, and that's the point: is that God does this work, the Holy Spirit does this um, through a supernatural means. My second thought is this: <clears throat> miraculous gifts are sometimes controversial because of the potential for sensationalism and exploitation. <clears throat> Those of us who have grown up in a Pentecostal charismatic tradition. Um, have far too many stories probably in our past about this. Um, if you just go on YouTube, don't do it now, but if you go on YouTube and just do a search for crazy worship in churches, you're going to get way more videos than you can ever watch in an afternoon. Um, some of them are really funny. Some of them are really embarrassing. 
Um, and I say that in the means because these are, and I don't do this to make fun of people. I, I really, it's not my heart. Because I think in their minds, they're really sincere and genuine. But you know what? When you take a step back, they don't behave that way in their homes. So this really is a situation. And so to me, that, that's emotionalism. It's, it's a little bit, it's going a little bit too far. Um, clearly, our faith is emotional, and there's emotional moments, and, and I don't deny it. But sometimes, and again, you see some of these videos, it's like, yeah. I just have a hard time believing that's what's going on here. Now, again, sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're embarrassing, but more often than that, they're harmless. It's just, it's just something that's happening in the moment. Sometimes, though, that these situations can be dangerous. Um, using gifts like this, because I've also been aware of church where the pastor and the associate pastor and the staff got into this. This is back in the 80s this whole thing called the shepherding movement, where there's a spiritual leader, the pastor said, all right, here's what God has said to me, thus says the Lord, this is what you need to do. And they started essentially manipulating people's lives. I know of a guy who the pastor, this, oh, actually it was some guest uh, outside from there came and said, God has told me that you're to marry this person. And they did, based solely on the word of that one other person. Um, that's not of God. That's not. Um, and so over time and through history, people have used what they've thought would... I can only hope that their, their intent was good, that they were trying to do the right thing, but that's not scriptural. That's just not... When, when, it's, when it's just based solely on that, we don't... We, there needs to be scriptural basis, and I think there's wisdom in multiple voices. So if someone came up to me and said, hey, you're supposed to do this... I'm going to take that to heart, but I'm also going to balance it. All right, what does the rest of Scripture say? And do I get confirmation of that from other people? Just because you tell me something doesn't mean I'm going to go do that. And too often, Christian leaders and and leaders within churches have misused their spiritual authority and the power that they have for purposes that are not of God. Honestly, and and I've said this before, the fact that this stuff has happened throughout centuries. I mean, this is not new. This, is, this has been happening since Acts. And this is actually what Paul talked about, the very first part of this chapter we just read. Paul is addressing the fact that some leaders are misusing this power. The fact that the church still exists today, with all the things that we've done to try to inadvertently try to destroy, could have destroyed it, I think it's just evidence of God's grace, uh, that God is still working. So... <clears throat> But here's the thing. The the fact that spiritual gifts can be controversial doesn't make them any less valid. If uh, some auto mechanics are incompetent, and yet when your car needs work, you still seek one out to get work done on it. Some doctors are unethical, but yet when you're sick, you still seek out a doctor to get help uh, for your need. Now, in a similar line, People have misused spiritual gifts, and they've done it in a way that has hurt others. But we need to be open to God's work in our lives through other people. We need to be receptive when someone comes and says, hey, I, just, we, I want you to think about this or pray about this, or maybe this is what might God be saying. We need to be open to those conversations. But more importantly, I think we need to be attentive to those opportunities that come to us to speak into someone else's life. Not in a way that governs or dictates their life, but, you know, as I was going through my life today, walk today, here's what I sense God's saying. 
Does that resonate? Is that okay? I think we need to be open to those opportunities as well. My next thought is this. Miraculous gifts are manifested by the Holy Spirit through individuals as he determines, supernaturally enabling Christ followers to accomplish God's work. Um, we're going to talk more about this next week. But again, I mentioned that these gifts tend to be situational. Um, we can't really control when or where the Holy Spirit may empower us. Um, you know, for me, I was out for a walk. For you, you might be sitting in the DMV and someone comes to mind. Uh, and that's, that's the way it works. My fourth thought is this. Uh, miraculous gifts are not just for corporate gatherings, but for everyday supernatural living that we might be a blessing to others. And again, we're going to talk more about this particular point next week, uh, essentially asking the question, what does this look like for you? What has been your experience in these areas, and how has this happened uh, in your life? And then my final thought <clears throat> is this. Love should be our guide as we eagerly desire to operate in the miraculous gifts. Paul tells us that uh, love is to be our highest goal. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. It's about us, about what God is doing amongst us. You know, so as you're going through your day, one of us might come to mind. Again, certainly you want to pray for them, but then maybe give them a call, shoot them a text, say, hey, how are you doing? You came to mind today, just want you to know I'm praying for you. And you do it out of obedience to the Holy Spirit, absolutely, but you should do it because you want the best for them. You want God's best in their life, and uh, you want to see God working in your life. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Um, you know, as these things go, um, uh, you know, some of you know that there's been occasions where Dave has uh, sensed God speaking to him for us, and he came up to me this morning, and said, I just sensed God was saying something to me that I believe is for the church, and so we're so I didn't plan this. Um, this wasn't said, all right, let's have a practicum this morning so that we can all practice this. But uh, Dave, if you want to uh, come and, and share, he's going to use this hand mic here. And then I will close here when he's finished. Now? Yep. Okay. So we know everything we do in Christianity, in our religion, is by faith. And it's just like Sam had that word. Um, but you have to be bold, right, to share that. It's, and I'm saying this to encourage all of you because... This is not my natural thing to get in front of people and speak. So it's very easy for me to not share. So I'm just saying that stand with me in faith because the Lord's only done this this particular way to me a handful of times where he's given me a verse to read. He said, I would just want you to share this verse with the people. And he says, and then I'll give you a word. So... I don't even know what I'm going to say, but just stand with me and let's hear the word of the Lord today. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. So, Lord, we just ask you to speak to us through this word this morning. For the Lord would say, in this hour, I am pouring out my spirit in great measure. I am taking you to a place where you have never been. Those who will approach me and receive my spirit by faith will walk in ways you have never walked before. For I have gifted you, but you have not walked in those giftings. But hear me today, says the Lord. Stand in faith and receive. And as you see the darkness rise up in the earth today, do not stand back in fear and intimidation, but stand up in boldness, without fear, with determination, with my glory. For you are to be the light that stands against the darkness in this hour, says God. For I have called you to be my hands and my feet, to do my work. I have anointed you and I have appointed you. So hear me today, says the Lord. The Lord would say, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on you because the Lord has anointed you to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent you to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, says the Lord. Amen. Um, for those of you um, for whom that was just really weird, um, we, the passage you read is from Isaiah 61. Um, and then what followed that was a message in tongues, which was on the list, and then the interpretation of what that was. Um, we're going to talk about that next week. What does that look like? How does that feel? Because here's what I know. It's not like, well, anyways, let me just stop there. We'll talk about that because that is of God. It's in scriptures, in the Bible. We don't often understand it. I can't explain all of it, but I can just say that uh, based upon the content of what was said, that God, I think, is speaking to all of us this morning about wanting to use us in ways that we've never contemplated before. I love the way Kate phrased it last week at the end. Is, it, is there more of God available to me today than I currently have? And I think the answer for that question for all of us is yes. Is yes. <laughs> you know, so I mentioned that our kids are back in town and <laughs> our son got our Google Home up and running in like 10 minutes. It just, it just so everything's good so we can talk to, to Google again. And But here's what I've conclude, and I think what Dave has shared, I think confirms this, is that some of us have lost our connection to the Holy Spirit. 
we've been connected and that we were, things were a thing, but there's been a season where either we've lost the connection or we forgot the password or anyways, it's just not working. And I think this morning, the Holy Spirit wants to reconnect with you in a very significant way. And I think to some of us as well that you're saying, this is all really new. Like, I, I don't know that I've ever had a life like you're talking about. Um, but in your heart, you say, there's something that I want. I want to be connected like this. I want to have that kind of relationship with God as well. And I, my prayer for all of us is that uh, we would encounter God in such ways. Not in some creepy, mystical, weird way, but in ways that are powerful, life-giving, genuine, hope-filled ways and experiences. <clears throat> so I want to pray for you. And as I'm praying, if you're expecting or wanting more of the Holy Spirit in your life, I'm just going to ask you just as an, you can stay seated, but just as an act of faith, just turn your hands upwards as a re- in a receiving posture to receive. And I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit would anoint you this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time that we've been here together. And thank you for Paul's writing to this group in Corinth. I have no doubt that at the time, 2,000 years ago, he had no clue that this letter would be preserved and saved and would be changing lives 2,000 years later. But Father, that's what's happened. And because of that, because of, of... the experience of the people in Corinth, we have clarity. We have better insight and understanding for what you desire to do amongst us here within our campus. So Father, for those of us here today, we've, we've got our arms outstretched, our hands lifted towards you in a posture of, of receptivity. Lord, we want more of you. We may not even know what that fully means, but God, we want more of you. We want your spirit alive in us in ways that make a difference not just on Sunday mornings, but Sunday afternoons through Saturday night, that your spirit is working in us, changing us and challenging us, but also working through us so that we can make a difference in the lives of other people as well. So Lord, hear our prayers, see our hearts, and Father, move in ways that only you can do. And we do this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.